We are continuing our sermon series this morning from the book of Philippians. Um, I just want to remind you as we begin how quickly that time is passing. Now, you know, as if you needed a reminder, last Sunday was May. This Sunday is June, and that's how fast this entire year is going. But as we get back into the sermon series this morning, I want to remind us each time that we're in this series of two important pieces of information. This particular book, the book of Philippians, it was written by Paul, and he wrote it from prison directly to the church in Philippi somewhere between AD 55 and 62. And then there is an overall theme that appears throughout this entire book of Philippians, and it's this, that Paul rejoices in his partnership with the Philippians, and he does that in the midst of adversity. Now, as we begin to look at our text this morning, I'd like for you to hear it in its entirety, and as I often do, if you are physically able to stand, would you stand right now to honor the reading of God's Word? We're going to begin Philippians chapter 2 this morning, and we're going to begin with verse 1. Paul tells us here, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by, being, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus... Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure." Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you for the reading of your word. And Father, now I pray that you just simply would anoint me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. What I pray as I preach this message that you've given me, what I pray that I will be faithful to point all who hear to you and to the cross. Father, I, I pray specifically this morning for people who are hearing my voice right now 
that, that may not know you as their Lord and Savior. Father, I pray that this would be the day that your convicting power will fall upon their hearts and upon their lives. And I pray that we will see salvation in this place today. And I pray that you will be glorified in and through that. And Father, always as I pray, I pray that when this congregation looks at me, what I pray that they will see a reflection of you. Father, we give you praise, honor, and glory for the things you will do in this place today. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, the title of this morning's message is The Importance of Humility. The Importance of Humility. And just to remind you, in chapter 1, there were two sermons from chapter 1, and we talked about having joy in the midst of adversity. And then last Sunday, we talked about how in Christ, as Christians, we truly can rejoice always. And the joy that we have been talking about, the joy that we will still be talking about throughout the book of Philippians, the key to that joy is a true and genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. And I've just got to ask you at the beginning today, do you know him today? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior Now, as we begin to look at chapter 2 this morning through a closer lens, we're going to see that Paul is going to tell us that Christians are expected to display humility toward others. It's an expectation of every Christian. It is not optional. So Paul tells them here in verse 1, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any comfort from love, If there's any participation in the Spirit, if there's any affection and sympathy, then complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Now, each of these things that Paul has pointed out here in verses 1 and 2, those were things that Paul considered to be just a normal part of the daily life of the Christian. And that is, that's the expectation for us. And I, I said last Sunday, if you'll remember, when the, when the world looks inside, when, when the unbelieving world looks inside the church, what they must see is a group of believers who are united, who preach, who teach, who defend the entirety of the Scriptures. Now, here in verses 1 and 2, Paul is pointing out some positive things. But starting in verse 3, he tells us that we're not supposed to do anything, nothing at all from selfish ambition or conceit, but instead in humility, we're supposed to count others more significant than ourselves. So unity and love, when we think about that, it means that conceit and selfish ambition should have absolutely no place in the life of any Christian. As those things stem from pride, they do not come from love. And you might be thinking this morning, but that's difficult. That is difficult to do that, and you're right. It absolutely absolutely is difficult. But can I remind you this morning, I just want to take a moment to remind you that living the Christian life is not easy. Many days are very 
difficult. But when we look at the one we are following, Jesus Christ, and we consider the earthly ministry of Jesus, it wasn't easy. So we cannot expect that as followers of Jesus that our lives will be easy either. But I want to point to you uh, to John 13, verses 34 and 35. We've recently covered this on Wednesday nights in our John study where Jesus speaks at this point and says, A new commandment I'm giving to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. And then he just doesn't stop there. He says, by this, by you loving like this, by you loving like I have loved, then all people, not some, but all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That's what Christ calls us to do. That's the type of love that Christ calls us to display to the world. And then back to our text this morning, verse 4, Paul points out to us that each of us, each of us as believers, we're not only to look out for our own interest, but also to the interest of others. And you know, when, when we are living our daily lives, probably nobody has to tell us to take care of ourselves. Probably nobody has to tell us to take care of our families. But what about the interest of others? That, that's a big one, isn't it? But as Christians, that's exactly what Christ calls us to do. He calls us as believers, as followers of him, to carry each other's burdens. And then we are going to see the ultimate example of humility. And it's given to us directly from Jesus Christ. Now, Paul continues to give us examples to be like, and again, this one is it's big. It's Jesus Christ himself. We are supposed to model the example that Christ gave to us. Now, look at verse 5 and 6. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Instead, Jesus was willing to leave his high position temporarily and to give himself completely to serve our needs. And I want to be sure that we are on the same page right now. Although Jesus temporarily set aside those privileges and rights of being God, he still remained God. He still remained God. And it goes farther than that. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. That is beautiful this morning. That is such a beautiful thought. And then when you take in consideration, he did that for you. He did those things for you. He did those things for me. I want you to think about it like this for just a moment. For God to become a man. That was a humbling thing in itself. But Jesus was willing to go even farther. Jesus could have come to us in the form of a human as the king of the universe. What he really is. But that's not at all how he came to us. He entered this earthly life by looking like an ordinary baby. 
And then he grew into what looked like an ordinary toddler. And then he grew into what looked like an ordinary teenager. And then to what looked like an ordinary man. But I want you to hear me loud and clear this morning. His life was far from ordinary. His life was extraordinary, and it was characterized by the humility that he displayed for us. Jesus has always been. We think of him sometime of coming into the world as a baby, and that's when Jesus began. Jesus has always been because Jesus is God. Now remember, Jesus was in human form. He looked like an ordinary man, but he gives us this enormous display of humility by dying for us on that cross. And that is the very definition of love. And I want to be sure that we don't miss here what happens in verse 9. As a result of that, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And I want to tell you today, that's exactly what will happen. Remember, Jesus came to us, the Creator. He came to us, and He chose to serve His creation. But the day is coming. The day is coming where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That day is coming for every person. But I want to make sure you hear me this morning. When that day comes for many people, it's going to be too late. Because they will have lived this life without professing Jesus as their Lord and Savior. But the day is coming when they meet Jesus face to face where their knee will bow and their tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But for those people, their eternity is not going to be in heaven. It will not be in heaven. Their eternity is going to be in hell. And as I reminded you last week, hell is a very real place. Hell is real. Once you're there, it is for all eternity. And as I said last week, hell is still hot. It is still hot. And I don't want anybody to go there. I want to remind you this morning that Jesus was executed. He, he, he became a source for eternal life for us. The source for eternal life for us is Jesus Christ our Lord through what he did for us on the cross. I want to remind you, I think so often we only talk about this at Easter. We only think about this many times at Easter. Jesus was executed as if he had been a horrible criminal by crucifixion. Now, to the Romans, that was the absolute worst kind of death. They typically only used crucifixion for foreigners and slaves who had committed some type of horrible, horrible crime. That's not what Jesus had done. Jesus, his life contained absolutely no sin. 
yet he was executed. He was crucified on that old rugged cross. And he did that willingly because he loved us so much. But even at that, even at that, there are some people who have not made the decision to accept him as their Lord and Savior. And as a result, at this moment in time, they're, they're on their way directly to hell. We've got to be bold as we talk to people. We've got to point them to Jesus. We've got to carry a burden for those people. And now, in our last section of verses this morning, we're going to see another example of humility. And Paul gives us this particular example. Verse 12 is a verse that is confusing to many people. And I I will tell you, many people take this verse out of context. And we're going to talk about that just a little bit this morning. Paul says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, I want you to focus on that verse Right now, And I want to be sure that you understand that what Paul is saying here is absolutely not. He's not telling us to work for our salvation. That is not at all what Paul is saying here. Especially the group that is here on Wednesday nights. You have heard me say over and over, it is so dangerous to take Scripture out of context. And there are many people today that as a result, they take verse 12 and they try to say that Christianity is some type of works-based salvation. And it is not. It is not. We've got to look at the entirety of Scripture. And I want to remind us of Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Let's look at Philippians uh, 2, 12 through the lens of Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 that says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So that no one may boast. When we look at what Paul is telling the Philippians in our text today, he's telling them that they've been saved by grace. Guess how we've been saved? We've been saved by grace also. And now they're supposed to bring that salvation to completion, to live out the fact that they have indeed been saved. They are supposed to look differently than the world looks. They are not supposed to look the same as the world. And guess what? Neither are we either, church. We are to look different from the world. Now, the level of humility that we've been talking about today, we can't do it by ourselves. We are not capable of it by ourselves. But we can through Jesus. We can through Jesus because he'll redeem our hearts Remember always, salvation is a gift of grace through faith. I wonder, I want to ask you again, have you experienced that today? Have you experienced that saving grace through faith in Jesus Christ our Lord? And then in verse 14, I think it is interesting to look at this. Verse 14 is another difficult verse to live. Paul says here, do all things. Without grumbling or 
disputing. And I would venture to say that some of your translations this morning say grumbling or complaining. That's, that's how I learned this particular verse. But it, it doesn't say to do some things without grumbling or disputing or complaining. Instead, it says what? To do all things. To do all things without grumbling or disputing or complaining. That's hard, isn't it? Because we live in a world that is just absolutely infested with sin. And if we don't, if we're not very careful, we will find ourselves allowing the world to have an influence on us. But I want to remind you that even if you find yourself this morning, maybe you're hearing this this morning and think, you know what? I grumble and complain a lot. Is there any hope for me? Yes. Yes, yes, I always want you to hear hope. Yes, there is hope, and His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus Christ. I encourage you today to give your burden to Him. And then we see the result of all of this in verses 15 and 16. By doing what Paul tells us to do, by doing what Paul is telling the Philippian church to do, The result of that is that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. And I want to concentrate on the last part of this verse. Among whom you shine as lights in the world. Can, can we just affirm this morning that we are living in the middle of a world that is absolutely sin-infested? It is. It, it's okay to talk to me this morning. It is absolutely infested with sin when we look around. If you watch the news, sometimes I wonder, can it get any worse? And yeah, it can. And I believe it will if we, if we live long enough. I think we will see just the things that the world affirms to get even worse and worse than it is now. And sometimes we look around and we see all the darkness that is around us. Darkness is all around us. But can I remind us as a church this morning, can I remind us this morning as believers, our lives are supposed to continually point to our Heavenly Father. Our lives are not supposed to point to the world. We're supposed to live our lives in such a way that we stand out from the world, in such a way that we make unbelievers curious of, how can those people live that way? How can they respond to those situations so much differently than I do? In the midst of all of this darkness in the world. And I saw saw a quote from one of my friends earlier this week. His name is Brother Ray Pritchard. And when I saw it, I knew that a part of today's message was going to focus on darkness. And he sums this up in such a profound way, in a way that I don't think I had ever heard quite like this before. But here is what Brother Ray said. He says, as Christians, we are not called... To turn off the darkness. But instead as Christians. We are called. To let our light shine. Darkness disappears. When light enters the room. 
Darkness disappears when light enters the room. I want to remind you this morning, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. In me, there is no darkness. So if you're ever in a struggle and you're wondering, could this possibly be God's will? If there's any trace of darkness involved, then absolutely, it is not God's will. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. In me, there is no darkness darkness. Now, if we were to look at Paul's life through our earthly eyes, we would probably say Paul had every reason to complain. Paul had every reason to grumble. Paul had every reason to be discouraged. But as I said last week, Paul practiced what he preached. He is the one that said, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That's what he chose to practice. We see that again today as our text closes. Paul says, even, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad, and what's he do? Rejoice. Not just by himself, I rejoice with you all. Likewise, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. So when Paul is experiencing these horrible situations in prison, we see this more than once by observing the life of Paul in prison. Paul chooses to rejoice. He chooses to rejoice. And I want to ask us this morning, as we prepare to close, will we do the same thing? When we face the difficulties of day-to-day life, when the world might be telling us, you've got a reason to complain, will instead we be like Paul? Will instead we be like Jesus and choose to worship Instead, that's exactly what I want to challenge you today to do. I want to, I want to challenge you this morning. In those difficult situations, worship. In the situations that seem like, oh, it's okay. That's not that bad today. It's not a bad day today. Worship. On those days that we think are great worship. So worship on the bad days, worship on the good days, and worship on every day in between. That's the example that we have been given through Scripture. And while we're doing that, let's focus on humility. Let's focus on putting the needs of others in front of our very own and loving like Jesus loved. As we close today, I always want to remind the people who are hearing my voice You know, so often, the ones of us who have been raised in church, the ones of us who have been Christians for so long, it's easy for us to think, well, everybody knows how to become a Christian. And you know what I have found is that, no, not everybody does know how to become a Christian. Sometimes we need to tell, and I always want that to be a part of my sermons. So as you've heard me say many times before, it really is as easy to come to Jesus as we teach children in vacation Bible school. It's the ABCs of Christianity. The A stands for admitting that we are a sinner, that there's things in our lives 
that doesn't honor Christ, that doesn't honor God, and as a result, it separated us from Him. The B stands for believe. We've got to believe that Jesus is God's only Son, that He loved us so much that He was willing to give His life for us on that old rugged cross. And it doesn't just stop there. His body physically died. It was removed from the cross. It was placed in a tomb. He was dead, but he didn't stay dead. On the third day, he rose, and that's why we celebrate Easter. And the C stands for confess. Just like we've been talking about today, the day is coming when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, we can confess now and, and, live, and, and receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, or we, or we, confess, we can confess when our life ends and we bow before Jesus and confess them. But the difference in those two is that the latter will be too late. So have you confessed? If you're watching us on the live stream this morning, if you are listening on the radio this morning, have you confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord? And if you've done that, it involves repenting and turning from a life of sin. As we close today, I just want to leave you with this. Jesus will indeed meet us wherever we are. He will do that. He will do that willingly. But let me tell you what he does not want to do. He does not want to leave you there. He wants you to become more and more like him. I wonder this morning, as you examine your lives, your individual lives, would you say that day by day, we are becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. And I pray that the answer is yes. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, as we sing our invitation hymn, come forward. I would love to pray with you and introduce you to Jesus. There are others here this morning that would love to do that as well. Perhaps that you're here this morning and you're carrying a burden and you just need to come and pray and lay that at the foot of the cross. I encourage you to do that. Let's use this altar. Let's wear out the carpet on the steps of this altar. But let's give our burdens to Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for just the assurance of knowing that you are my King of kings and that you are my Lord of lords. Father, I thank you so much for the example that we have received through Jesus Christ of humility that we've been talking about this morning. Father, I pray that we will each examine our lives and what I pray that, that we will truly display the level of humility that you did. Father, I pray that we would always be willing to put the needs of others in front of ourselves and to consider others better than ourselves. Father, I pray, I pray that as the world looks inside, that they will see you. Lord, I pray that we will be the example of what it looks like for a church to truly follow Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that the needs that are represented throughout this congregation today, will, I know that you're sufficient to supply. Father, I, I, I ask for forgiveness for times that, that I've looked back on my life and somehow lived as if the situation was bigger than you. 
Father, I, I repent of that. What I pray that I will never be guilty of acting like that just because the situation might be bigger than me to also think it's bigger than you. Father, I realize that you are the one who is sufficient on every day of every day of our life. Father, I pray that you will just simply do great and mighty things in and through this church, and I pray that you will be forever glorified. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Would you stand with us this morning as we sing? I encourage you this morning, if you have a need, come forward at the beginning. Don't wait till the song goes on longer and longer. You're less and less likely to come at that point. If you have a need, I invite you to come now.